Thanks for tuning in. I'm Joel Amadon. And I'm Ann Monroe. And this is the Teacher's Journey, Mile Markers on the Road to Better Teaching, a podcast series where we discuss stories of teacher development. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Mississippi School of Education and is an Amadon Planet production. All right. Fantastic, Dr. Monroe. You're sounding great. Like new microphone. Looking- I have a new microphone. I have new headphones. I'm feeling a more... Um, uh, Amazon planet-ish, like I'm on a whole new planet, if you will. <laughs> Fancy. Have, Fancy, yes, that's right. I have entered the uh, podcast um, universe, there and it go. feels good. That's I'm right. like a professional or something. So many metaphors tied to the universe. And we are joined by Brandy Thomas. Brandy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, we're very excited. Uh, we had a chance to do a little bit of talking before we hit record, and I am excited for this episode. So, Brandy, before we get too far, can you take a little second to uh, to introduce yourself to the listeners? Of course. I am Brandy Thomas. I'm known to most people by B, and my students call me Miss B. I will officially be a graduate of Ole Miss um, this May, and I will have earned my bachelor's in education um, with a concentration in ELA science and social studies with a SPED endorsement on top, the little cherry on top. Um, I have a true passion for teaching and a joy for reading. So I just aspire to take my love for both into the classroom and make a difference in the lives of our little future leaders. Beautiful. Beautiful. Fantastic. And I'd also like to add that uh, Brandy is one of our um, candidates at the DeSoto campus. And um, so I think that's exciting. Uh, I don't know, Dr. Amadon, is this our first um, podcast guest from one of our regional campuses, from one of the other planets, which orbit (laughs) the School of Ed Sun? So so many interplanetary metaphors. Yes, yes, it is. Yes. We have so many wonderful students at the DeSoto campus, at the Tupelo campus, Grenada, Boonville, uh, down in Rankin. And so it's just um, great to have a a candidate from one of our... uh, one of our regional campuses. So Brandy, thank you for uh, plowing new ground for us. There's a thank you. farming metaphor on top of the planetary <laughs> metaphors. Let's just keep going. Listen, the sun makes it all go grow, doesn't it? <laughs> That's right. we, we could do this all night. <laughs> yeah. So Brandy, uh, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, spending some time with us uh, this year. I know it's a busy time for you. You got lots of stuff going on with regards to student teaching and, and all that. But um, can you take a minute to thank three teachers who have shaped your development as a person? Oh, most definitely. Um, I would say number one would be Mr. Ben Counts. Uh, To this day, he is like the most amazing man I have ever encountered in my educational journey. Um, The funny thing is he was actually my music teacher in elementary school. Then my choir director in middle school and my district choir director in high school. So I was fortunate enough to have him throughout my entire educational experience. And he was so patient and kind and accepting. And he was the first person to just like really make me feel seen. And that's a feeling that's just indescribable. So to this day, shout out to you, Mr. Ben Counts. Um, Then Ms. Denise Gore. Denise Gore was my home economics teacher. So she taught me how to cook, sew, budget, parent, all the things, interior design. Um, She also had those tough conversations with me when I was veering off the train tracks of my adolescent life. (laughs) Um, But she she truly cared for my well-being and you could feel it. Like you literally felt it. And that was that was special. 
And I would have to say my third would be Christina Livingston. I mean, Dr. Livingston, I'm telling you, if you know Dr. Livingston, then you know that she is a firecracker. I mean, (laughs) she, she is truly a phenomenal woman in every way. I cannot even begin to count the ways that she has made a difference in my life in such a short period of time. So like if you have encountered her and you don't feel the impact of her greatness, then hands down, you're broken. Like, you have to be broken. <laughs> She's just awesome. That is great. I love it. Yes, yes. We uh, we are very familiar, in, and also she's on an, on an episode before. But I love, and I don't know if, if you caught it, Dr. Monroe, hearing the B scene again. Mm, did I did you hear catch that? that. We That has been a... Uh, uh, that has been a theme in several of our podcasts and something that you and I were just talking about um what a few days ago yeah yeah but like yeah like the teachers have the power just to to how can you show that that a kid is being seen and like ah that's a lot of power there yeah there's a lot of power in that yes yeah definitely all right so let's go to our next question like so what are two reasons or events uh that led you to become a teacher Oh, just two? Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> um, one reason is that, I mean, I'm the oldest of five kids. So mm. teaching just kind of came natural for me. Um, I always wanted to play school as a child. I grew up on the magic school bus. So I always had to be Miss Frizzle and my siblings had to be my students. Like there, it was not up for discussion. I know that Miss Frizzle is a fictional character, um, but she really did inspire me in yeah, so many yeah. ways. She was confident and bold and smart and just like unapologetically herself. And she was a woman. Mm. So she I idolized her for a while and she always prioritized her students' interest and curiosity. She was continuously embracing technology for fun and interactive experiences she was just awesome. And I just wanted to be her. I wanted to be her student. Um, So that like started, that started the thought of, I could be a teacher. I could be Miss Frizzle. I would have to say, I'm thinking, because there's so many. I'm going to say another event was, I read an article that said, students experience like positive academic benefits in terms of Um, effort and happiness within the classroom when they're feeling cared for and motivated by their teachers, Mm. which, I mean, that's a given. We know that, right? Like that's, that's a given, but that same article, it highlighted the gap in representation within education and how it's like holding minority students at an alarming low percentage in terms of high school graduates and college enrollment rates. So as a mother with a child in this underrepresented system that we're speaking of right now, mm-hmm. I just recognize that the diversity problem within our teaching workforce needed to be addressed. And I made it my mission to be the soldier on the front line. So that was like my final motivating factor for wanting to become a teacher. So that one day when my students are on the Teacher's Journey podcast with Dr. Amadon, <laughs> they can say, they can thank me for having shared in their development as a teacher. That's beautiful. I mean, and, and even let's go back, like to not only be seen, but then who do, te- who do students see in their classrooms is also yes. powerful. Yeah. Representation is so important for all students. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Brandy, that reminds me um, of... Uh, uh, something I heard Lucille Clifton say, Lucille Clifton, the great 
uh, poet. She's she's no longer living, but a poet and children's book author who wrote the um, the um, children's books. Arthur was it Arthur Anderson or uh, Everett Anderson um, series, and she came to the University of Mississippi years ago. The very one of the very first years I was in graduate school. And um, she said that it's while we always think about it, it's important for children to have windows to the world and see things outside of their uh, universe, that it's equally important for them to have mirrors mm. where they see themselves back and see, um, you know, people that look like them, sound like them, you know, I and how that. important those those mirrors are uh, equally, if not more important than the windows. I love that. That is so accurate. Um. Well, then I saw somebody else saying, like, if you have those windows, then doors open. Oh, yes. There you go. Oh, yes. We're metaphor <laughs> all, all over the all place. All over it today. I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, so we're the teacher's journey. We're talking about mile markers on the growth, your growth to better, on mile markers on the growth, on the path, the growth, the path to better teaching. So, and what moment would you pull out from all your experience because it, it, I mean so far in your program you've had many experiences again you had class with Dr. Livingston I'm sure there's many experiences there but <laughs> I, and, and I have a hint uh, that it might lead to something from Dr. Livingston but can you identify a moment of your growth uh, of your uh, of your growth as a teacher? Yes it, again it would come from a time in my practicum teaching we had a particular student that was labeled as having behavioral issues he always did the bare minimum in class, um, if he did anything at all, but he was consistently acting out day in and day out. And the routine was always that he would get in, like irritate the teacher to the point where she was just, she couldn't take any more of them. So she sent him down to the principal's office and he'd remain in the principal's office for the bulk of her lesson. And then he'd come back to class when everyone else was completing their work. Um, but while they were completing their work, he was left behind because he mm -hmm. wasn't present for the lesson. So once I moved into my student teaching and I became more comfortable with being vocal and speaking out, I actually pulled this student out into the hallway when he began to act out again. And I gave him a really stern talking to like, you know, the mama bear in me came out. And long story short, he started to cry. And he confessed to me that he struggled to read. And so he was acting out to prevent the teacher from calling on him. And he had somehow learned to create this defense system that mm -hmm. painted him out to be a problem child, to be a menace, when the reality of it was that his actions were just misguided and he was severely misunderstood. And it, it really just clicked with me. It registered with me that we as educators have to be patient. We have to take time to get to the root of the problem, to connect with our students one-on-one -on -one to give them that individual time because all it would have taken for this particular student was that one-on-one -on -one time, not scolding him or disciplining right. him in public, you know, in front of the whole class to put on a show, but just pulling him out into the hallway and saying, what's going on? Like, yeah. talk to me. No, look me in the eyes. What's going on? And from that day forward, even now, cause I, I still have this student now, um, we have a great relationship and he respects me. He gives me so much effort. He tries and he's mm -hmm. motivated to please me because he knows that I care. He knows that the, the standard is the same 
for him. The expectations are not changed because you struggle to read. I will help you, but I still have high expectations for you, just like I do every other student in this class. Um, and I think that was just, that was, that's my mile marker, just to take time to see each student as an individual and put forth that effort to let them know that you care. I, and I can't let this go by because like, this is right in the wheelhouse of Dr. Monroe's research on think about shame and shames in the classroom. Mm. And like, I mean, this sounds like the, like the, the, what the compass, the compass, uh, the, the pathway, yeah. compass of pathways. shame. Mm-hmm. And so like, which pathway would that be, Dr. Monroe? I think it's a, I think it is um, avoidance. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's avoidance. It's um, manifesting behaviors to um, avoid the feeling of shame because of something you feel weakened or diminished about. And then all of a sudden the investment of a teacher and like, you know, you think about Brandy, how long was that meeting there, you know, meeting I'm put in quotation marks, like, Few I mean, minutes? five five minutes, if that, if even five minutes, just to get down on his level and just let him know that you care. You think about it. What the, is a mile marker of your growth as a teacher? But thinking about what does it mean for that kid? Holy cow! And now all mm. of a sudden, like all these efforts towards on a pathway to avoid is now towards trying to learn, trying to get improved this ability. They're taking on the identity of a reader now. Yes. Like, oh my god. Yeah, he's he's putting forth so much energy trying to hide what he feels um you know shame about. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the in, this energy that could be put toward um working on his skills and enjoying the class and and um you know participating and all the things he's missing out on um and that just that little bit of effort by the teacher to recognize the real issue um, makes a world of difference. Agreed. All right. So why was this mile marker important to your growth? Uh, what, and also I guess too, what's something that could represent this mile marker of your growth? What would be the artifact that would represent this moment of growth? Oh, um, the artifact that I would use with this experience would be a training video from the Rawlings Center for Language and Literacy in Atlanta. Uh, Dr. Livingston actually shared this video with me and I'm obsessed. It, it will literally bring you to tears. I'll have to share the link. Um, but the video, the video emphasizes the importance of communicating with students through avenues of love and kindness in order to build their dignity and respect and make those lasting connections with students. Because we don't understand, we don't realize how deeply we have the ability to connect with students. So when we're dismissive or inattentive, they they digest that and it, mm-hmm. it chips away at their dignity. It chips away at their respect. It chips away at their value when they feel dismissed and unseen, as I said earlier. So the video really represents how we can make that difference in students' lives every day. Yep. And we will ask you for that link and then we'll put it oh, in yes. the, the show notes. That's perfect. Um, and so why is this mile marker important? And you kind of already talked about this a little bit, but mm-hmm. why is this mile marker important to your growth as a teacher? 
It's important because it allowed me, like what I took away from it was that as an educator, we should set high expectations for all of our students, even those with quote unquote behavioral problems. Um, And we should take the time to check in and truly give our students a safe space to be heard. So as an educator, we should be focused with not only touching the minds of our students, but also their hearts so that, so I would just say this mom offer caused me to be more conscious of the impact that I'm making and the environment that I'm creating for those around me. Nice. Um, and then, you know, we connect these things to standards and then that shows like, why is this important to the field? So from the in-task standards, I know you're, you're in midst of portfolio <laughs> authoring. So you're thinking a lot about standards. So which of the standards do you connect this moment of growth to? Ooh. I would probably say, I'm going to say in task standard nine, which correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's professional learning and ethical practices. Is Absolutely. That it? Yep. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I would connect it to that one because it like, it's important to the field of education. Like it calls me as an educator to evaluate my practices as well as how the choices and actions of my practice affect others around me. Mm-hmm. But most importantly, just adapting those practices in order to meet the needs of every student. So adapting the practice of like something as simple as discipline, seeing that, you know, when you discipline a student publicly, like the effect that you get, they, they, they perform, so to speak, when you yeah. discipline them publicly. But when you pull them out, there's that level of respect. Just evaluating your practices as far as educational, but also as far as those individual relationships. So I would definitely say in task standard nine. Yeah. I also like that in task standard nine, Brandy has, you know, the phrase ethical practice. Mm, yes. Because I think the treatment of children and how what you're talking about, the Um, the care and concern you have for that student as a person, Mm -hmm. for their feelings, uh, for the the whole child, the entire child that's in your classroom, not only, you know, their brain, you know, the cognitive skills, but that emotional side, that social side, that's Mm -hmm. part of uh, our ethical responsibility as teachers. And I think far too often we forget that that's, you know, equally important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's, it's, part of our ethical responsibility. So I, I love that you, that's the standard you chose. And, um, you know, I just think that ethical practice piece, you know, you, you what, how you've explained it really speaks to that. Thank you. I would also say, and I don't know if you did this for your artifact, but standard one as well, thinking about, Hey, I mean, somewhere in you inside you like, well, why is this kid doing this? Like, there's something that is different. Like why, why would this kid be doing acting in this way? And knowing also too that sending them away out of instruction is not going to can't be a long term answer as well. Right. And so you know, thinking about the the students' development and um, you know, they're talking about social, emotional, linguistic, cognitive. Like there's those patterns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I love that as well. Um, I agree. Right. Uh, so let's then think about. Your and this is something I love talking about. Your pocket-sized philosophy statement. What's your pocket-sized philosophy statement, Doctor Amadon? It's funny because clearly I'm long-winded. So <laughs> pocket-sized. <laughs> I don't know how to make it pocket-sized, but what I always say is that um, 
I believe it's the educator's role to teach in such a manner that they reach the minds and hearts of all their learners and that they they light a path of possibility for every student. Just understanding that there is more than one type of intelligence and that not all students learn the same way. I mean, that's pretty much, that's my philosophy in a nutshell. It's not pocket sized, but. <laughs> I really like that philosophy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing is like you have something that guides you in order to help you make decisions. And this is why we do pocket-sized philosophy statements. So like, what do you stand for? I mean, and, and the thing is clearly in this conversation, you can see like Brandy, stand, Brandy has some clear expectations for who she is in the classroom. I'm talking about you in the third person, but you know, <laughs> but thinking about that and, and knowing then, okay, what does that mean? I'm not going to keep sending this kid out. I'm going to talk to him and figure out what's behind this and how we can have a solution because whatever's happening here is not going to be longstanding. So, and now you made a difference. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and c- coming from a place, you, what is the phrase you use Brandy about your guiding light? The, what did you use? You said uh, about- light a path of possibility, just Lighting. letting them know that they're all capable. Like you're possible of you you are capable of greatness. I, I love that. I like how you phrase that. And then also you know, that your philosophy is your guiding light, your path, your light, you're lighting the pathway with your philosophy. And it's, it's obvious because what came out of your mouth when stating your philosophy is exactly what you did. And I think that's really important for all of us to remember. And I know for Dr. Amadon and I as well, that we have these things we believe in a lot of times with stress and time constraints and pressure. Sometimes we veer away from that path that we know is the well-lighted path. And, um, the path that, you know, is built on our philosophical beliefs, but sometimes we have stress and we veer off. We just need to follow, you know, what we really believe and it will bring us back to what we know is right and, and good for kids. I agree. So, I mean, you, and you just answered like, how can you see this influence of the influence of this mile marker in your philosophy statement? I mean, <laughs> it, it's almost like your philosophy statement was the influence behind it. Like, so, yes, you know, you, you carry it with you. <laughs> Right. It's just, it's intentional, like yeah. being intentional every day and focus, being intentionally focused on encouraging all of your students, even those that are deemed difficult to yeah. being intentional. So I got a book that was recommended. And so this is the part where we start dumping some resources that we think about. So I was recommended a book and I, it's on my shelf now, but now I got to, I got to read it, but it's called Troublemakers. And it's about thinking about Ooh. what does like, it basically kind of getting at what you're doing. Like, diagnose like what's behind this and i've had other situations where um i had a teacher that was trying to do group work but um and was trying to facilitate with that within her classroom and she was i came to observe and she was embarrassed by what was going on in her classroom i'm so sorry like it was so loud and so out of control i'm like no 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 they were all doing math like it was awesome it was like fun and noise but it was like thinking about what does it actually look like and sound like and feel like to have a classroom that is collaborative. It is going to be chaos sometimes, but you step back and like, well, they were yelling, but they were yelling about math problems. Exactly. Maybe you to tone it down a little bit, but <laughs> it was like, if our principal comes in, like, what are they yelling? They're yelling about which method is better. And yeah, we, yes. we need to help them there, but still there's great stuff happening. So that's oh. funny that you say that. I, um, I read a book that was called Move the Class, and it's about how to spark engagement and motivation in urban and culturally diverse classrooms. And that was one of the things that it listed in there was that allow them to get loud, allow mm-hmm. them to get excited, like 
if they're excited and they're loud, they're engaged and they're motivated. So Mm -hmm. sometimes you kind of have to throw some of the rules aside in order for the bigger educational purpose. So I I like that you said that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you've almost directly quoted the NCTM equity principle. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Which was high expectations and strong support. I'm going to have high expectations, but I'm also going to support you as well. I'm going to expect you to execute these or uh, exhibit these behaviors as a doer, uh, as a reader. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm going to support you in, in, in doing the stroke. And like that kid's going to put forth the effort, not, you know, act out. I'm going to support him in that. And like, that's beautiful. Yes. So I'm going to ask for the reference on that move the class as well as the link to the video. Like this is Aunt, Dr. Monroe. She's bringing Look at all the, refer- the resources she's bringing to the table. This is great. I was just thinking we don't even need to do our own resources <laughs> no. because Brandy's oh, been bringing the resources. That's right. Sorry, I'm a reader. I like it's fantastic. Oh, it. No, this is wonderful. Um, anything else that comes to your mind, uh, Dr. Monroe? I mean, we could post a link to the um, Nathanson piece if we definitely wanted to. obviously nathanson's pathways of shame for sure but mm-hmm. also um and i've said this in a previous i think i've talked about this as a resource in another podcast and it when you just hear the name of it it sounds like what does that mean but it's exactly what brandy is talking about about under about talking with children in a way and speaking and um approaching a child uh, with respect and it's this um it's uh, Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication. There's mm. the Center for Nonviolent Communication. Um, and then he's got a lot of resources and um, things that he put out, even some stuff about te- teaching using nonviolent communication in schools. It's about how do, how do adults speak with children mm. in a way that sees the, that respects the child and listens. And I think that's really, really important. And then also just, I think we'll put some links to Lucille Clifton's um, Everett Anderson uh, books that because those are just classics and great and um, so we'll I think we'll drop some of those in the yeah in well, the what do we call it in the resource box the show the notes cha- the show <laughs> notes that's what it is show, show notes. notes I've got right. my microphone in my headset but I can't remember what show notes <laughs> that's are. right yeah <laughs> excellent well um, Brandy anything else from you to to share I mean again as a reader like maybe you got some else that you'd like to share as well. <laughs> No, I could talk about reading all day long. (laughs) No, I just, I'm really, really, really appreciative that you guys considered me and had me on and I've enjoyed it. Um, You know, like I said, I'm long winded, so I could talk on and on and on, but I I don't have any questions. I'm good. You have some great (laughs) things to say, so I'd I'd love to listen for as long as you want to (laughs) talk. Well, thank you, Dr. Monroe. Well, this was, this was wonderful. Um, What a, I mean, I know about you, Dr. Monroe. I've had a long day and we're at a long day and it's great to have this conversation. Great to, that you're willing to share your time. And I know you got lesson plans and whatever to, to keep preparing for. So oh, uh, yes. we appreciate it. <laughs> so, so <laughs> the reminder. But, um, uh, but thank you. Thank you, Brandy. Thank you. And, and thank you to everyone out there for uh, tuning into the teacher's journey, mile markers on the road to better teaching. And this episode may be over, but your journey to better teaching continues. So please subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when the next episode's ready for a listen. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast. You can also share the podcast with someone you feel may be interested in these stories of teacher development.
And are you ready to start your journey to better teaching? You can send an email to Nick Sis, Nick F at Ole Miss.edu, the School of Education and Admission Counselor to hear about all the options for becoming a teacher or educational leader. Perhaps you are well into your journey and looking to further advance as a practitioner or researcher in your field. For more information on all our graduate programs, contact the University of Mississippi School of Education's Graduate Studies Office by sending an email to graduation at Ole Miss.edu. You can also follow the University of Mississippi School of Education on social media at Ole Miss Ed School on Twitter and Instagram. And so you can learn more about opportunities like free graduate application weekends. And information can be found in the show notes for this episode at roadtobetterteaching.com. And finally, thank you to Brandy Thomas for sharing a portion of her journey with us. Thank you, Brandy. And thank you to all you listeners out there for taking the journey to better teaching. This world is a better place because you have used the gifts you have been given to teach others. 